0: Hi there everyone. I trust that you're well and that you are thoroughly enjoying this series and that you're growing in the Lord. I believe that God desires to take us to our next level of prayer, doesn't he? However, in order for him to do this in us effectively, we need to be open to identifying and repenting of areas of immaturity in our prayer lives. As I've been teaching this series, I've observed different levels of response in people, and I'm sure you have too. Some are hearers of the word, whilst others are not just hearers, they're doers of the word. And so I want to encourage you to create rituals and habits that will help you to be doers of the word with regards to new ways of approaching prayer. Give yourself little tests each day. Especially when what's required of you is not something that you naturally do by default. You know, there's certain prayer styles and approaches to prayer in scripture that are not natural to us. And we literally need to be disciplined in order to be doing them. It's great when you give yourself little tests around that. Last week, we examined six more signs of immaturity in prayer. And I gave you some solutions to help you to grow into a place of maturity in those areas. And this week, we're going to look at the last six, the last six signs of immaturity in prayer. And again, I'm going to give you some solutions in terms of how to overcome that type of immaturity in your life. We'll look at these last six and I trust that by God's grace, we'll go to our next level of prayer. Enjoy. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for the power of your word. And the word of your power. Thank you for the privilege it is to preach the gospel. Thank you God that there's so much power in this message. And that lives are being changed. We thank you for your goodness. And we pray now Lord for a manifestation of the teaching gift. A manifestation for an apostolic impartation in your people. And all the saints said. Amen. Okay. The last two weeks I've been teaching on how to become more mature in prayer overcoming immaturity in prayer amen and i'm very excited about this message and now this is my third week and i'm going to do the last last six okay we're going to have the last six points and i believe that god is going to speak to us in a very very powerful way are you expectant are you ready are you steady amen and amen your bride is looking wonderful hey uh uh, Kwele? Well done, well done. Well done, Kwele. <laughs> Cindy said to me the other day, Kwele keeps getting the praise and the credit for all the stuff I do, you know, type of thing. I said, yeah, he's created the environment. <laughs> Greetings from uh, my wife, uh, Pastor Trace. She's preaching again in Pretoria East, um, continuing to teach on the prophetic and how to Grow in the Prophetic at the Pretoria East Church. She sends her greetings and her love. And I want to encourage you guys to just start getting used to this dynamic because as we establish more churches, uh, you'll find on some weeks I'll be in Joburg. I'll be ministering there. We'll also be simulcasting. So on the weeks where I'm preaching in Joburg, we'll simulcast back here. Um, you, you know what simulcasting is, right? You'll be watching live on screen, okay? Then times when I'm preaching here, they'll be watching live on screen. Isn't that exciting? Okay, people in the valley are saying to us, please, please start a branch here, start a branch. And when we use technology and we go digital, we'll be able to do more churches quicker. Amen. And people will be, will be touched. So we're excited about that. So I'm going to continue. Point number 13. Those of you who missed the last ones, you can catch up on YouTube. You can catch up on the website. Amen. Point number 13. One of the key signs, if you want to know whether you're immature, in your prayer lives, is this. You pray without a revelation of God's heart toward you. You pray without a revelation of God's heart toward you. God loves you. Say to the person next to you, God loves you. I'm looking at you guys from here. This will actually be a lovely picture, a lovely photo to take, hint, 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 nudge, nudge, from here to take a photo of you guys. Because I just see God's heart towards you. God loves you. You don't have to twist his arm to get him to do stuff for you. Amen? You see, if I've been told that Kwai is very stingy, if I want to ask him for something, if I want to ask him for something, it will be difficult, won't it? Why? Because my view of him is he's a stingy person. But if someone comes to me and says, do you know this guy called Kwile? He's got so much stuff and he's always wanting, excuse me, and willing to give it. How confident will I be? I'll be very confident. Why? Because I understand his nature and I understand his heart. Amen? My kids find it very easy to ask me to get them treats Whenever they know I'm passing through the shops Why? Because they know that it's a habit I have it's very, diff- to, it's very difficult for me to go to the grocery store And not leave without getting them some cool drinks Or some chocolates Or some kind of treat Amen So when you understand the nature and the character of God It affects your boldness When you are making your requests Are you hearing me? Your perception of God, your view of God, is one of the most important things in your discipleship journey. How you see the Lord will affect how you see yourself. Amen. There's a lady who came to me during worship and she said, Paul, I have a word for the church. The Lord is showing me that some of them have seen themselves as turkeys and the Lord says they need to start seeing themselves as eagles and this is something they should yearn for from the Lord. They must change how they see themselves. How many of you know that you only start seeing yourself differently when you see God differently? Amen? Everything in your walk with the Lord, your prayer life, your giving starts with your perception of God. And many of you here, you've got a misconception of God because you've looked at your experiences. You've looked at your journey. And you are now changing how you view God because of what life has dealt to you. How many of you know that life does stuff to us? Amen? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. You're not hurt by your experiences. You are hurt by the story you tell yourself about your experiences. Are you hearing me? I don't know about you, but I want to change my my tragedies and turn them into triumph. I just came up with that. Must be the Holy Ghost. A poetic anointing. I don't know about you, but I want to turn my tragedies into triumph. Whatever you're going through, it's a story for his glory. Hey, I think my second career should have been rapping you'll hear one of these days anyway so many people are sheepish when making requests to the lord many christians are asking god for what they already have in christ you need to have faith that god will hear and respond to your prayer first john chapter 5 verse 14 says and this confidence say to the person next to you and this confidence And this confidence that we have before Him. This is the confidence that we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And when He hears us, He responds. Amen? Jeremiah 29 verse 11 to 13 says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Now many of you know the scripture, but how many of you know what a plan is? To plan is to prepare the details in advance. Planning is not the same as dreaming. Planning means to prepare the details in advance. So it says here, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Now that word declare is something bold. It's something confident. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. Some translations say plans to prosper you and not to harm you. A plan is? To prepare the details in advance. So God is declaring that I've already prepared the details of your prosperity in advance. The details, people. Not just a general idea that I want you to prosper. The details. In other words, he's already orchestrated who he's going to use To help you to come to a place of abundance. Which organizations he's lining up in order for you to prosper. It says he's prepared the details in advance for that to take place. Now you and me just have to know how that gets manifest in the natural. Amen? And remember that prosperity is not just financial prosperity. If you study scripture, there are 13 different categories of prosperity. I don't know about you, I don't want to just have lots of cash, I want to have healthy relationships. I don't know about you, I don't want to just have lots of cash, I want to have healthy relationships, I want to be at peace all the time. There's some people who are prosperous financially, but they're unhealthy. They're prosperous financially, but they're full of anxiety. So God has already prepared the details in advance for your welfare, for your prosperity, and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Then he says, then you will call upon me. When will you call upon him? When you understand his plans for you. When you understand his heart for you. So don't begin to cry out to God before you understand his heart toward you. Because there will be a problem in your praying. You'll cry out to God saying, Lord please, can you, please don't punish me. That thing I did yesterday, please. I feel so guilty, Lord, that your praise will be like that because you don't know His heart to forgive you. Can I hear an amen? amen? Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to me to you. Now, if you look in the New Testament, it says we are confident that He will respond to our prayers because we know that when we pray he hears us so God hearing your prayer is the same as him answering it he doesn't hear your prayer if he's not going to answer it they're prayers that are heard by God go and study the scriptures and the other prayers that are not heard by him I want to pray those prayers that are heard by him amen you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your hearts isn't it wonderful isn't wonderful? How many of you like being misrepresented? How many of you like, it? did you see how when I, when I said, oh, if quietly was a stingy person, do you see how he was quick to say, no, I'm not, I'm not. Do you know why he said that? Because none of us like to be misrepresented. But isn't it sad how many Christians misrepresent God? We talk about God like he's this harsh taskmaster. We talk about God like he's this stingy person where we have to twist his arm before he does anything for us. We've misrepresented him. How do you think that makes him feel? How do you think that makes him feel? I don't like being misrepresented. Ah, pastor, we thought you were stingy. Ah, pastor, we thought you didn't care about us. I'll become defensive. Who said, who told you I don't care about you? But we're doing it all the time with Father God. Isn't it sad? All right? Isn't this a powerful scripture? Watch this. In the book of Psalms 18, verse 6, it says, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried out to my God for help. From his temple, what did he do? He heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know God has heard your cry. God hears the cry of your heart. God hears our conversations. God hears our prayers. In First John chapter five, verse fifteen, it says, "And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have received. We know that we have what we asked of Him. We have what we asked of Him. See, each person here must believe that their prayers are powerful and actually result in change. How if you believe that your prayers are powerful?" How many of you believe that your prayers can change things? I don't know about you, but things change when I pray. Do you believe that? Some of you believe that it's not your portion. So you're very confident when you're praying for other people. How many of you are like that? You're very confident. I know some of you. I'm not going to pick you out and call you by name. I know some of you. When it comes here, oh, you're powerful and you pray for people. When it comes to yourself, you become cynical. You become cynical. Our Lord, the Lord passed me by way back. But for other people, yes. God is so good, not just for someone else out there or for some future date, but for you right now. The gospel is not just pie in the sky when you die. The gospel is steak on your plate while you wait. Amen. Amen. Some people say, ah, one day, ah, one day. You know, all those Negro spirituals, you know what I'm talking about, right? One day, because they'd given up. Some of them had no hope for this life anymore. They thought, "Ah, the slavery thing, I will remain in it. So they sang a lot about one day in the future, one day when I'm in heaven. The kingdom is now. I said, the kingdom is now. There's certain things that God wants to do while you're here, alive on the earth. Some of you got that as your portion. When you say amen, you know what you're actually doing? You're saying, so be it in my life. Amen? You're saying, I'm receiving this thing. I'm grabbing a hold of it. The word of God is tangible. God's power is encapsulated in his word. So when his word is released, his now word, his preceding word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. From the mouth of God. What's the word that is proceeding from the mouth of God? It's the prophetic word that is often spoken from the pulpit. It's the preceding word. Amen? These are not just words. I've prayed a lot before. I've cried out, Lord, may it not be my words. May it be your words. So you can be in a place of expectation and say, I'm catching this for myself. Amen? We must listen in faith. The Bible tells us that anything that is not from faith is sin. So when we listen to sermons, we listen to them in faith. And then we re-listen to them during the week. So that everything that is in that verse gets into you. Are you hearing me? I'm wanting you to maximize on the blessing of God in your life. So that the enemy doesn't rob these things from us. You know, God is so good. Not just for provision, but also for protection. There was a particular lady who tells this story. Young girl. She was walking home. She was walking home, and she had to pass this particular alley. And in this alleyway, there was a man who was just staring at her. And she just felt this horrible presence. She felt like, yo, and she managed to walk past him. And then the following day, she heard, I think it was via the radio or in the newspaper, that there was a girl who had been raped around the same time she had walked through that alleyway Had been raped by a man who was there. And she figured out that this girl would have walked down that same alleyway just after she had. So they're now doing identification. Can people come forward to identify this man? And she thought, he's already been caught, let me go. She goes to the police station, and she identifies, yes, this was the man who was there. And what was interesting was that she was curious to know, why didn't this man attack me? So, of course, she goes up to the man, and she asks him. And the man said, I saw These two big men walking next to you. They were obviously angels. And you know what? When it comes to angelic protection, many of us forget that we are actually protected. How many of you have been in a close call in an accident? And you can't even explain what happened. Say to the person next to you, they're angels. I'm telling you right now, they're angels. You see, and, and the, the Bible says that angels are God's ministering servants, right? Who've been sent to watch over those who are to receive salvation. Many of you wouldn't be here today. I'll leave it there. So that was number 13. We pray without fully understanding God's heart toward us. You see, when you have bad experiences in your life, Bad experiences in your life, don't let the experience change your theology. Always start with the word of God that God is good all the time. Amen? Amen. Not just some of the time. That's our starting point. That is our starting point. You know, when it comes to healing the sick, we've seen so many people healed. But how many of you know that we've all experienced some people where we prayed for them and they weren't healed? Some of them got worse. We can't explain why. But our job is to always go back to the word and to say, God, you are the healer. Lord, there's no one who came to Jesus saying, I want to be healed who he didn't heal. Are you following me? My job is to say, what blocks the healing? What happened? Because the problem isn't with God. The problem is somewhere in between. Amen? So I will keep praying for the sick. If I get 80% results, at least 80% is better than zero. Amen? Number 14. One of the other mistakes we make when it comes to prayer is that prayer is an optional extra. You know those people who come up to someone and say, try Jesus. Just try. Well, What about Jesus? Just try him. Maybe the Lord wants me to keep saying that Jesus wants to be first place. Jesus wants to be first place. Prayer is not something you do after having tried everything else, ladies and gentlemen. Prayer is the first thing that you do. Amen? And when we go to doctors, when we ask people for advice, we're trusting that God will use them. How many of you know that doctors can be God's hands? Amen? But we're trusting that God will use them. Prayer is not something you do after having tried everything else. To the mature praying person, prayer comes first. Prayer comes first. It's not something you just try to do after you've tried everything. You know, some people, "Ah, but all I can do now is just pray. I've tried everything, so I'm just praying. Like prayer is the worst thing you can do? Like prayer is your last resort? It must be the first resort. Amen? Colossians 4 verse 2 says devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That word devote is a very powerful word. The word devote means to give yourself wholly to, to give yourself fully to someone or something. How many of you believe that your spouse is devoted to you? Jimmy, can you say Nontembeko is devoted to you? Is checking first with her. <laughs> right? Amen sean roberts are you devoted to sunera of course there with his big john cena smile okay devotion means giving yourself wholly to something how many of you know that the bible doesn't say we must be devoted to everything you can't be devoted to everything i don't understand but with with polygamists how do you end up being devoted to many wives one is enough amen come on guys shout out one is enough No, seriously, physically and emotionally, I don't understand how someone can be devoted to more than one wife. I'm just saying I don't understand. You're judging our culture. You're judging our culture. I'm saying I don't understand your culture. That's what I'm saying. All right? Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. There are a number of things the early church was devoted to. In the book of Acts, it says they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to the fellowship. How many of you can say that you're devoted to the fellowship? You know what the fellowship is, the equivalent. It's this, the gathering together of the saints. It's our small groups. It's our love for each other. It's us being a family, a spiritual family. If you come to church once every three weeks, you can't say, I'm devoted to the fellowship. Fortunately for you, that's not what I'm preaching on right now. Amen? It says, devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, give yourself wholly to it. How many people here can say, I am wholly given to a life of prayer? You don't have to raise your hand. You see, many people talk about being devoted to prayer, but they're often messing around with other sources. Their source isn't just the Holy Spirit. Their source isn't just prayer. Jesus is not their strong tower. Jesus is just an option. The Bible says, I am the Lord and my name is jealous. Your name speaks of your nature. So there's a godly type of jealousy where he wants the whole of us, not just part of us. Amen? I'm talking about immaturity in prayer. The mature prayer warrior gives himself or herself wholly to prayer. The immature person, prayer is an optional experience. That's the key difference. Okay? Romans 12, verse 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. What in prayer? Faithful in prayer. The word faithful here speaks of attending to constantly. So if someone says, I'm a faithful husband, it means you're attending to your wife constantly. Just like I said for Sean. Sean agreed, he smiled when I said, are you devoted to sunera he said he just smiled actually so it means that he attends to her constantly are you hearing me when my wife was driving to pretoria east today to the church to preach i phoned her on the way and i had a word for her i was attending to her constantly amen this morning when we were getting ready for church i said to her how are you feeling about your message amen I was attending to her constantly. Are you hearing me this morning? When you're devoted to something, you attend to it constantly. When you're devoted to prayer, you've got appointments with God. And you attend to those appointments constantly. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. It says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it there are many things being destroyed today because there's no one standing in the gap how many feel that God needs intercessors and God is looking for them and he says I looked and I found no one isn't that sad i think that's one of the saddest verses in scripture maybe the undevoted person still hears what god is saying but does not fully pray through it they're still hearing what god is saying but they're not willing to pray through that that burden god is looking for people who are faithful available and teachable Can God find people standing in the gap? God can find many praying people, but still find no one to stand in the gap. Because you can be a praying person, but you're not hearing what's relevant to God's heart. Are you hearing me? You see, some people, when they go into a place of prayer, they just literally go to pray their agenda. Should I switch back? Pray their agenda. Are you available to stand in the gap to pray that which is on God's heart? Okay, I'm crossing over. Are you available to pray what's on God's heart? In Ezekiel, God was looking for someone to build the wall. Now God is looking for those who are willing to pray what's on his heart and be devoted to him what's on God's heart what's Jesus praying in heaven right now I want to be praying those same prayers amen number 15 our prayers are not spirit-led our prayers are not spirit-led when you're mature you partner with the Holy Spirit in prayer your prayers are not limited to just what you know in the natural I don't want my prayers to be limited to what I know in the natural. Because my natural knowledge is limited. Amen? There's only so much I know about the nation. So there's only so much that I will pray. There's only so much I know about what's going on in the congregation. So I want to come to a place of prayer where my prayers are spirit-led. Now the Bible tells us, keep on praying in the spirit. When the Bible says keep on praying in the spirit, it's not just talking about praying in tongues. There are multiple dimensions to praying in the Spirit. There's praying in other tongues. The Bible says when you're praying in tongues, you're praying mysteries unto the Lord. So you know that your prayer is according to God's will. But there's also praying in the Spirit when we're talking about praying Spirit-led prayers. Amen? How many of you know that there are times in intercession where you keep pushing, 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 you keep pushing and at a certain point you can pray on and on and on because the Holy Spirit has now taken over and you feel like it's no longer you who's praying how many of you know what I'm talking about you feel like wait a minute I'm now just a vessel here and then you begin to groan and then certain things begin to happen amen certain things begin to happen and when the climate around you, I just want to go now into advanced prayer teaching. There are times when you pray and you only feel that it's you who's been edified. But there are other times you pray and the climate around you actually changes. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? You literally feel like something has shifted in the room. That means you're now legislating things in the spirit realm and there's shifts in the heavenlies. I want to encourage you, don't just pray two-minute prayers. Spend time with the Lord and push through and pray prevailing prayers. Pray until something happens. Pray until there's a shift in the climate around you. And you'll see what will happen. Amen? I still remember in my varsity days in the 90s, there were times when I would be In prayer and I would literally just start seeing flags of specific countries so there I am I'm praying and then I just suddenly see a flag of Scotland and I figured God wanted me to pray for Scotland there I am I'm praying and I just see the flag of Kenya and I figure God wants me to pray for Kenya there I am I'm praying and I just see a map of England and then I just start, you know with some visions you have to tarry And then you start seeing more and more and more as it unfolds. And I start seeing this chicken hatching and I knew that I needed to pray for revival in England. Amen? I want to encourage you this morning. Just wait on the Lord and you'll see what will happen. Just wait on the Lord and you'll see what will happen. You'll pray spirit-led prayers. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes it's difficult to pray for a long time unless your prayers are spirit-led. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit doesn't help you in your strength. The Spirit helps you in weakness. So when you come to God in strength, you're short-circuiting the power of the Spirit. When you come to God in weakness, the Spirit helps you. Just look at that passage. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. Isn't that wonderful? So when you're groaning in the Spirit, there's nothing wrong with that, it'll look crazy. It might not look cute, but it's good. The Holy Spirit is groaning through you. Amen? And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How can you be guaranteed that you are praying a prayer that is according to the will of God? Make sure that your prayers are... Spirit led prayers. Can you see the difference? Can you see there's a difference? Those are the prayers that get results, people. The person who's mature in prayer is open to the Holy Spirit interceding in and through them without looking cute. When we come to prayer meetings, it's not about posing. Don't worry about your mascara. Don't worry about your makeup. Cry out to God and let the Holy Spirit pray through you and look at the results. I would rather have results than look cute. I'd rather be in a prayer meeting where some people feel a bit uncomfortable. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. Are you hearing me this morning? Number 16. You do not come to God with expectation of anything great. You do not come to God with expectation of anything great. God is calling us to a place in our walk with him where we pray audacious prayers. What do I mean by audacious prayers? Bold prayers. Confident prayers. How would you feel if you've got your favorite cousin Your favorite cousin. What would happen if you've got your favorite cousin, they're based in the U.S. You haven't seen them in two years. Thank you, Jimmy. Then they come and you're a very good cook. How many of you are good cooks here? And you're a very good host. Hey, Raquel Shooping. Her hand is going up multiple times. She's marketing herself. She's also single, guys, just so you know. And she's a cool person she's coming to our place afterwards helping my kids with some stuff all right you're a good cook you're a good host and you've got your favorite cousin coming from the u.s you haven't seen them in two years they come and they say to you it's okay please don't cook for me your fancy stuff i just want water I'm on a two-week fast. Or maybe they just say, I just want water. I don't want to burden you. Just give me water. How will you feel? Agnes, how will you feel? You're a very good cook. If you guys haven't tasted her food, you're missing out. How would you feel? Are you hearing me? How do you think God feels when you ask him for two cents and he wants to give you two million God is a generous God. That's why Jesus said, you know what, guys? I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. Because I've shared with you everything that the Father has given me. Amen? He's excited to share with us secret things. He's excited to share with us his mysteries. So why is it that when we come before him, we're sheepish about it? Uh, Lord, can you just reveal to me what's going on in the nation? Please, if you want, if it's your will. Why are you saying if it's your will when he's already shown you that it's his will to reveal to you precious things? How many of you know that God only reveals things to you very often in response to your questions? You know that Jesus says don't throw pearls to swine? You know that he practices what he preaches? In other words, he doesn't just pour out revelation to people who aren't seeking him diligently for revelation. Are you following this morning? There are certain things God will only do in your life in response to a request. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is the gentleman? It doesn't force his way into your heart and into your life. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Do you think this is someone who's not keen to reveal these things to you? He's saying, call to me, guys, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He didn't say, call to me and I'll tell you arbitrary things that you already know. He didn't say, call to me and I'll... I'll just, yeah, update you on a few things that you probably don't want to know. He didn't say, call to me and I'll tell you things that everyone else already knows and you can read in books anyway. He says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things. What does that word unsearchable mean? Things that if you looked for in books, you would not find. I was with Saul. Saul the other day, and he was sharing with me a meeting they had with some colleagues and things that he was explaining to them in terms of strategy, things that he was showing them and ideas that he had and was as if the wisdom of God was just flowing through him and was just there, boom, like that, things he hadn't studied. And an expert in the field, someone came to me and said, do you know that people pay other people millions for this type of stuff. Are you hearing me? There are times when the Lord can show you unsearchable things that you don't know. How many of you want that? I know people today where the Lord will just give them a dream in terms of a business idea, and when they run with that particular dream, they become millionaires. It's happened. A dream at night when they're sleeping, nothing to do with them. God just shows them the thing. When I started doing books, my printers, who are Christian, we were there strategizing. And one of the ladies said, you know what, Paul, I'm not just seeing books. I'm also seeing games. I didn't just say, oh, that's a nice idea. I ran with it, and that's where my card games came from. And when I started using some of my business card games in certain workshops, people were just blown away. There was such an anointing on those cards. Those of you who've used them know what I'm talking about. That was an idea birthed in heaven. It wasn't something that came in the natural, amen? And I've had evenings where I will literally, the the, the sex ones, sex and marriage, those card games, sounds a bit funny saying that, but anyway, the sex and marriage, what I call the SIM cards. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those ones, right? I think only one or two people have purchased them from here. But anyway, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But the sex, those ones, I did those in one night. I'd already done some research on the subject, obviously, but I sat down and I said to my wife, I need to come up with, I need to codify these. She said to me, oh, what were you doing that evening? She says, yeah, I've done them, i finished them. It wasn't based on my own human strength. It was a supernatural thing. How many of you find that there are times you can just be writing out stuff and it literally just comes in one go? Yet you might have been struggling in the natural for hours and hours. That's from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you expecting great things? Are you praying audacious prayers? Let me just say something. God doesn't just love you. He delights in you. I'm gonna say it again. God doesn't just love you, He delights in you. A lot of people have a revelation of the Father's love. Few people have the revelation of the Father's delight. When I speak to many people on the continent, I talk to them and I say to them, Did your Father love you? And a lot of people will say, Paul, I know that He loves me because He would provide for me. Then I said, Did you feel his love? Did you feel the love of the Father? And that's where they have question marks. Are you following? I said, do you feel his delight? I know Paul, he was from a different generation. Then they start making excuses for him. Ah, he was not in touch with his emotions. Ah, you know those days people were a bit distant. Now that's fine. But Father God doesn't just communicate his love. He also communicates his delight. When Jesus was being baptized, what did the Father God say to him? He said, this is my son whom I love. My beloved son. That's where we get the name David from. Any Davids here? My beloved son. The son whom I love. Right? But what did he go on to say? He says, with whom I find pleasure. He didn't just love Jesus, he found pleasure in him. I love communicating the Father's pleasure to my sons. When I'm laughing at their jokes, then they're encouraged to crack more jokes. They're experiencing not just the love of the Father, the delight of the Father. Are you hearing me this morning? When you know that the Father delights in you, prayer becomes easier. When you know that you have the Father's delight, that when you come into his presence and you begin to pray, he gets excited. The Bible says he dances around you. He rejoices over you in singing and in dance. Amen? When Jesus sent out the disciples, they came back and they started saying, Hey, we're casting out demons. Demons are obeying us. And what did he say? He says, "Don't just rejoice, because demons are listening to you. Rejoice that your names have been written in the Lamb's book of life." And you know what it says? It says Jesus rejoiced, and he says, "Father, I thank you that you've revealed this to them." You know that word rejoice? It's the word "hool," "hool." It literally means Jesus began to dance. And began to spin around he was delighted over them isn't that powerful my friends when we have that perception of God when we see the Lord that way your prayer life changes our prayer lives change how audacious are your prayers Some people, their minds have been programmed to more readily accept failure than success. Have you noticed that? They're more comfortable with failure and mediocrity than success. They sign a business deal, but they're already thinking, what's the catch? Hope deferred, the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. You know what that means, right? When you are hoping and the thing doesn't happen, the thing you are hoping for, it actually makes your heart grow sick. Some of you, your hearts have grown sick. And you end up with all sorts of diseases because your heart has grown sick because of disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. How many of you know that disappointment, if you don't deal with it rightly, can result in psychosomatic diseases? Diseases that start in the mind and they end up affecting your physical body, amen? I like this scripture. I like it in the NLT. Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. That's Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. To him who's able to do immeasurably more. So think about it. What have you asked him for? Whatever you've asked him for, he can do immeasurably more. Not just twice as much. Not just three times as much. Not, that, not just ten times as much. To the power of. Immeasurably more. Than what we can ask or You know what this shows me? I mustn't just be asking. I must also be imagining. Because whatever I ask for, there's a multiplier effect. But also whatever I imagine, there's a multiplier effect. Are you getting this? A lot of us, we imagine, but we imagine negative things. Whenever you're worrying, you're imagining something. Are you hearing me this morning? If you say, hey, I'm afraid what my boss is going to say on Monday. Hey, Pastor Paul, my boss. You're already visualizing it. You're visualizing your, bo- your boss blaming you for something. It was your fault. Joan, it was your fault. And if your boss is shorter than you, Joan, it was your fault. They'll be pointing up. You're visualizing it. So why do we have a problem visualizing positive things? Amen. It says... In Ephesians 3 verse 20, "Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, or imagine, according to my performance last week, according to my current level of holiness, according to his power that is at work in heaven, no, according to his power that is at work within us. My friends, when we want to pray audacious prayers, we mustn't just be praying. We must be seeing what we want. We must be visualizing it. Can you see it? That business you are praying for, are you playing a video of what it looks like? In detail. How I many if you know that visualization is more powerful, the more vivid it is, the more detailed it is. I'm sharing with you powerful stuff this morning. Visualization is more powerful, the more detailed, the more vis- the, the more detailed it is, the more vivid it is, the clearer the picture is. When the Bible says in Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the details that I've prepared for you in advance. God can see it. Can you see what He is seeing? Because it's detailed. Amen. Those of you who become fatalistic and you just pray prayers, where you're just like, whatever your will is, Lord. Don't think that's a humble prayer to pray. That's fatalism. Diligently seek the Lord to find out what His will is. Once you know His will, make declarations in line with His will. Are you hearing me? There's a place for the prayer of relinquishment. I'm letting go. Just do what you want to do, Lord. There's a place for that. But most of our prayers, if you look at the biblical pattern, we must diligently seek his face to find out his will, and then we visualize his will vividly, detailed, and then we pray his will. We declare it. I'm showing you how to pray prayers that get what? That get results. You see, you don't need faith to just say, Lord, just do yeah, whatever your will is in that situation. May it happen, Lord. That doesn't require faith. It requires faith when you see the thing and you decree it. And then you start seeing that the things that are manifesting in the natural are in line with what you already saw weeks and months. Ago, what you were carrying, what you were pregnant with. Amen? I like it in the NLT. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. The key to prayer that gets results, imagine the thing. Bible tells us that Jesus did only what he saw the father doing. So Jesus could see something. Are you hearing me this morning? You know what the sad thing for me is? The sad thing is the new age guys are teaching people the stuff. Yet we as believers should be on the forefront teaching people how to imagine. Biblically according to God's word. The key thing is imagining, listening out for his will, and then praying it. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it says that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not just seeking him, but diligently seeking him. Can I explain what diligence looks like? Diligence means that you study. How many of you love reading? Okay, that's too few people. That's too few people. Where's Q? Tendai's Q. She's in children's church. Okay? She's going to go very far in her life. Do you know how I know? She's a reader. Q is always asking me, Pastor Paul, have you got a book on this? Pastor Paul, God has been speaking to me about this. Pastor Paul, I've got a book on this. Have you got a book on this? Can, you just, can someone just call Q? I want to declare it over her. All right? She's going to go very far. And some of you are like that. You're always reading. One of the things I love about, um, if I I think of people like your Pastor Vims, your Pastor Michaels, your Pastor Fadzai's, my wife, they're readers. Leaders are readers, amen? Nowadays, we can listen to stuff. There's a book I'm reading right now, and then I also found the audio book. So I will read through it, and at the same time, I'm finding myself when I'm driving, I will listen to the same chapters that I'm reading. It's different ways of getting it into your spirit. Amen? Are you hearing me? Q, you can just stand there. I just wanted to declare it over you. I'm talking about how leaders are readers, okay? And she's an avid reader. And I was thinking about it as I was preparing this message. I wanted to say that over you. You're going to go places, girl. The, green. the, green. the <laughs> church is agreeing. The church is agreeing. The church is agreeing. You're going to go places. because She's she going to go places. My husband was saying to me, e, I can see, oh, thank you for all the material you gave it to read. I can see the impact it's having. Oh, thank you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's the principle. Everyone listen to this, this is so important. I'm hoping this will be one of the clips that, don't you love those clips that we do? You know the clips that, are, thank you Kweli, thank you brother Kwiley, for doing those clips. I hope this will be one of them. We're teaching a lot about prayer, but prayer and diligence go hand in hand. Here's the principle, here's the principle. Prayer cannot cancel ignorance. Prayer cannot what? Prayer cannot cancel ignorance. So please be careful what you come up with when it comes to wanting prayer for. I was training with my wife yesterday. She she asked me, says, Can you do this this running with me? Thanks, Q, thanks, Q. And I made, I was going to say I made the mistake of training with her. All right, I went. And it was tough, because she's like a machine. Right? After about a 90K cycle, she then did, uh, she, had 10, she had to do 10, 700 meters. Right? As intervals later on. Right? I just joined her for the intervals, but I didn't do, I didn't do 10 by whatever she did. The domestic helpers that were there along the road, I think they thought maybe I'm her coach. I looked the part, you know, I had all the right kids. I think they thought maybe I was her coach, you know, I'd already done my training and I was just helping her along or something like that. Then afterwards, I sent a message to Pastor Michael and the guys and to my family members. And I said, guys, can this thing be imparted to me? Can you do a prayer of impartation so I get this thing? Brother Jimmy over here, who's a strong CrossFit guy, he knows these things don't come by impartation. I started saying to these guys, but I received a prophetic word, guys, that said I'll get sweatless victories, sweatless victories. (laughs) There's certain things that don't happen by impartation. Prayer doesn't cancel ignorance. The people who get breakthrough in their marriages, to be honest with you, what I've seen from counseling many people, is the people who read the stuff that I give them to read. It's the people who do the homework that I give them to do. The times when my marriage has gone to its next level hasn't been when I'm praying a lot, necessarily. I'm just being honest. I know some of you are very spiritual and you want me to say it's when you're really praying. No. It's when I apply knowledge. And the nature of my prayers are, Lord, can you help me as I apply this principle that will help me in my marriage? Are you hearing me? Prayer doesn't cancel ignorance. The The Bible tells us that my people perish for a lack of you know what the job of the Holy Spirit is? The job of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, my spirit, this is Jesus speaking, says, the Holy Spirit will take from me that which is mine and give it to you. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance that which I have taught you. So you have to have first been taught by Jesus. Is everyone getting this this morning? You have to have been first taught by Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit comes and searches your heart, looking for the things that Jesus has already taught you, and he brings those things to remembrance, and then he uses those things. Amen? Amen. Now, sadly, for many Christians today, there's not much that they've been taught by Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is searching, 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 but he doesn't have much fodder to work with because the people aren't reading the Word. The people aren't reading books The people aren't getting revelation. Amen? I've taught many times on SBI and the D4 feedback model, how to give feedback to people. How many of you have I taught that to? Just raise your hand. How many of you are using it? Get what I'm saying? Some of the people in the worst marriage situations that that I've counseled, they the same people who are saying, yeah, but when I was fasting, Pastor, recently when I was fasting and praying, this is what God showed me about my wife. And the wife is also saying the same thing. Yeah, Pastor, when I was fasting and praying, yeah, this is what... You have to mix your prayer with knowledge. And here's the interesting thing about knowledge. It doesn't end at knowledge. You know what learning is? Learning is not the acquisition of knowledge. Learning is acquiring knowledge with a resultant change of attitude. Outlook and behavior. That's what learning is. When you say, I learned this new tool, you are saying, I got the knowledge, the knowledge was translated to understanding, and I put it into practice. That's why, if you read in the book of Proverbs, it talks about knowledge, getting it, and then it talks about wisdom, that's an application of knowledge, right? And understanding. Amen. If we want breakthrough in our lives, there's some of you who come and say, Pastor, can you just pray for me? This is my situation. I know, Pastor, if you just pray, if you just give me a prayer, I know things will happen. Just your prayer. Mm, I know it. And then a lot of pastors fall for that because it's flattering. Hey, my prayers are powerful. When we should actually be saying to some of you, Here are the top five books you should read. Read those books, and I'll pray that you get understanding when you're reading them. Are you hearing me this morning? Leaders are? Leaders are? Leaders are? Leaders are? Leaders are? Leaders are? are, Yeah. God is not confused. Some of you are praying, Lord, I just touched my wife, just change her. And God has just been waiting, saying like, dude, just humble yourself and you change. Let me share with you a secret here. I know my wife will listen to this, so I'll just say it. The biggest breakthroughs in my marriage have been when I see a situation and I go and research on it. I get the knowledge about that particular situation. I then pray asking God to change me and to work on me. Those are the biggest breakthroughs. Not when I cry out to God and say, please change my wife, Lord, just change her, touch her, Lord, in those areas. Let her hear from heaven, Lord. That was just for free in terms of the difference between immaturity and maturity. And let me be honest with you, I've done both, I've been in both camps. Lord, she won't listen to me concerning that particular thing, so please, just give her the revelation. I know she needs the revelation. Just impart to her, Lord. Those prayers don't get answered, my friends. (laughs) Why? Because they're being prayed from a place of pride where I've already got the mindset of she's the problem, not me. Amen? Amen? But when it's me reading that book, when it's me listening to the stuff, when it's me practicing it, when it's me repenting, there's a grace that just oozes and you shift to a place of marital bliss. Are you hearing me? That was for free. So, what are you praying for? Are your prayers big? Number 17. One of the other signs of immaturity in prayer is that there's a disconnect between your praying and your watching. There's a disconnect between what? Your praying and your watching. Jesus said, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. Many people don't know how to mix prayer and watching. You see, when you're praying and watching, it's like you're a security guard who's basically looking at all the different things happening, the stimulus around them, and then they send signals to the central office to say, this is what I've spotted, this is what I've spotted. Guys, can you send reinforcements, please? It's a bit like that. But they cannot accurately send messages to the central control unit without having done what? Without having watched. Your prayers become more accurate when you are watching. The word watch in scripture, there are different types of watching, but it literally means to be alert. And there are different types of watching. There's watching and being alert concerning God's heart, God's agenda, and God's strategy. There's that type of watching. What's on God's agenda right now in your family? What does God want to do in your kids in the next two years? Instruct a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. As your child goes through various transitions in life, are you watching? Are you watching? What's going on? The second type of watching is where you are watching and you are alert concerning the enemy's strategy against you. Amen? What influences do we need to watch out for? And then we pray accordingly. Amen? Are you watching? Are you seeing beneath the smiles? Because there are people smiling at you, but they're fake. Are you watching with regards to the time bombs in your life? Those are those character flaws, and they're just ticking. You know a time bomb? Tick, 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 tick. Are you watching? Because at some point, it's going to explode. And very often, the enemy will wait so that the Destruction is more. You'll wait until you're very influential. Tick, 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 tick. But it was a time bomb that was there ever since you were young. One great evangelist who fell into sin, sexual sin. What did he say? Said the issue of lust was a problem I've always had since I was young. Tick, tick, tick. But things came out years down the line. Right? Right? When he was influencing many people. Tick, tick, tick. Sometimes the enemy will wait and then the thing comes out when you're married. You've got kids. Kids are affected, destroyed. You know what happens when divorce happens? Very often the kids are the ones that suffer, right? Because the enemy's strategy is to wound the children. And what do wounded kids end up doing? They grow up into wounded people and hurt people hurt others. Amen? That's the enemy's intention and strategy and we have to watch out for it okay first peter chapter 4 verse 7 says the end of all things is near therefore be alert and sober of mind of sober mind why so that you may pray in other words pray while you are alert and sober of mind amen okay When the Bible talks about being sober of mind, what what do you think it's talking about? Sober of mind. It's not talking about sober as in the opposite of drunk, although you should also be that, right? That's another message, right? For another day. Some people are like, phew, thank you, yeah, another day. Hey, it'll be too much for one day, right? Sober here means the opposite of conceited. Having a sober view of yourself means I'm alert because I can also fall into sin. I'm alert, I can also stumble. I'm alert because better men than me have fallen. Men that read the Bible more than me have fallen. Men that prayed more than me have fallen. So I must be sober-minded, not conceited. When you're conceited, it means you have a higher estimation of yourself than you ought. You think you're better than you are. Amen? And someone needs to come to you and say, you're not better than us. remember watching a movie recently and people were saying that someone wants to get their life right and this person kept on shouting at them saying, and just remember, you're not better than us. Yeah, you're not better than us. Some of you need someone to say that to you. (laughs) Okay? You cannot pray effectively if you're not watching. I read that there's now the second bus disaster in Zim, in the last couple of weeks. You know, first we heard the the whole thing that happened when the two buses crashed into each other and 40 people were killed, and then literally a few days later we read that this bus caught flames, right, was caught up in flames, and um, another 40 people were killed. Now. There are those of you who heard about that and you're just like, this is not right, yeah, this is not good. There are others here who are watching in the spirit, who can pick up in the spirit that this is not natural. So you are watching and you now pray accurate prayers that stop this thing from happening. Because you could hear the same news a week down the line. Because that's the enemy's plan. Amen? Some of you hear about premature deaths. I've got a couple of uncles who've died recently. I mean, people were just surviving in my family, you know? We talk about how, oh, my dad's family, they're nine. My mom's family, they're ten of them, and so on. But in the last couple of years, I've just had uncles dying. And I spoke to my one uncle, and he, he's a pastor. And he said something interesting to me. He says, I refuse the premature death of my brothers. Are you hearing me? And then I get a prophetic word when my wife was in... Was, when my wife was in um, in Germany from a prophet there and one of the things he picks up this is a guy who doesn't even know us and one of the things he said many accurate things but one of them was we're seeing premature de- they pre- they've been premature deaths in his family but he doesn't have to worry are you hearing me now the person who's watching understands that there's a devil on the loose don't accept it there's some of you where there's sickness after sickness after sickness in your families And those of us who are watching, we go to your place and we say, we need to cancel this thing. This is not from God. But you know the mistake many people make? They agree with those things. They're like, I know me and my, and then you mention the sickness. And you embrace it like it's normal and it's yours. So you have faith for it. The enemy operates through trickery. So he wants you to believe that it's yours. Hey, you know this thing that runs in our family? Yeah, yeah. so I've also got it. And you receive it fall out of agreement with the enemy's strategy. And the only way you can do that is by watching. Amen? Amen. Ah, yeah, no, you know, as you know, you know, in my family, because the girls don't get married, yeah. So, yeah, we just, yeah, so then we, you are prophesying it. Put it past tense. The girls didn't get married in the past, but I'm drawing a line in the sand. Amen? Yeah, because in my family, yeah, because we all, yeah, we don't have babies. Yeah, there's this thing. And yeah, because then, and you've just accepted it. You see, it's important to know what's the enemy's strategy against you and what's God's will for your life. Amen? Some of you have made friends with fear. You've made friends with so many things and you've just accepted it. The enemy knows that your words are powerful, so he wants to get you to be in agreement with his words. And he'll just sow a thought in your mind. And then you think it's your own thought. Then you speak it out and you're basically prophesying his plan over you. Are you hearing me? Ah, yeah, because Pastor, you know, some of you have even done, Pastor, you know, because in my family, yeah, we've got this. and Have you? Do you have it in your family? I thought you're now under the blood of Jesus. So which bloodline are you going to go with? Amen? Like what one person said, when you try to fight for something that you receive from inheritance, you get exhausted. When you try to fight for something that you receive from inheritance, you get exhausted. Sometimes you only receive when you sit down, be quiet, and learn to be a son or a daughter. Just that. You see, there are parts of our faith, there are parts of our faith where we get breakthrough simply by understanding our identity. Amen? I want you to take that home with you, that a lot of these things we're talking about is just about identity. I want to share with you the last point, which is number 18. Have you enjoyed these 18? No, you've enjoyed the 17 because the 18th one is now. Caught you. They're impatient in God's presence. One of the signs of immaturity is where we are impatient in God's presence. You see, when you begin to pray, very often things have already happened in the realm of the spirit, but just because you can't see it in the natural, it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. And the problem with many Christians is they function based on sense knowledge. In other words, whatever they can see, whatever they can hear, whatever they can touch, for them that's real. But God wants to shift us from that where we begin to see things in the spirit and what we're seeing in the spirit is real. Amen? We smell in the spirit. We taste in the spirit. Okay? And those things are very, very real. The book of Psalms 106, verse 13 to 15. They quickly forgot what he had done. They did not wait for his instructions. In the wilderness, they had an insatiable craving for meat. They challenged God in the desert. He granted their request, then struck them with a disease. Now you must understand in the Old Testament often when it says God struck them with a disease, it's what we call the divine passive tense. God isn't striking them with a disease. That's not in his nature. He's allowing the disease to come upon them. But he's the one who's not. He's not the one who's initiating it. You understand? Okay? And so it's interesting here because these guys were insisting. We're tired of the manner. Give us quail. Give us quail. Be careful of what you insist upon because they ended up getting it and then they were diseased by it. Amen? Be very careful of what you crave for because you might get it. The next phase, when craving is insatiable, you can be so desperate that you begin to challenge God. Why aren't I having this? Do it now. A lot of blessings come to those who wait. Think about the disciples. What did Jesus say to them? Did the Holy Spirit just come? No. The disciples were told to wait in Galilee. How long were they waiting in the upper room? If you do the maths, Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection for about 40 days, the Bible says. Right, in the time of the ascension, he says, wait for me in Galilee. So from the Passover to the Pentecost festival, it's 50 days, it's about a 50 day period. So 50 minus 40, that's about 10 days. It's probably about 10 days to maybe two weeks where they were there in the upper room waiting. The Holy Spirit came. Wonderful blessing. Some of the blessings in our lives, some of the blessings in our lives happen as we wait. But if you look at the word in the Hebrew, the word wait, when it says wait for the Lord, it's an interesting Hebrew word. It's "kavar." It's "Kava." And it's an active waiting. It's not a passive waiting. It's the word "kavar." It's a bit like a rope. It's the same word that's used when the cords, you know those three, Fold cords like that. It's where you intertwine yourself eagerly into God. It's that type of waiting. It's waiting with eager expectation. That's that word, kavah. When they were waiting for the Holy Spirit at the the time of Pentecost, they weren't just, hey, let's chill, hey, what's happening? They were worshiping the Lord. They were fellowshipping. They were waiting in eager anticipation. Amen? What are you waiting for? Don't wait passively. Wait in eager expectation and watch what the Lord will do. In the book of Psalms, 130, verse 5 to 6, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. I don't know any watchman who are like, Ey, I, I, hope it does. I hope the morning doesn't come just yet. Hey, I hope the morning. No, a watchman, a security guard is eagerly waiting for the morning. And here he's saying, my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. Lamentations 3 verse 25 says, the Lord is good to those who? To those who? Those who wait for him. Those who wait for him. To the person who does what? To the person who seeks him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Some translations say, who wait for him. Psalm 27, verse 13 to 14 says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. How many of you know that waiting is a sign of humility? If you are waiting to see a specialist doctor, you're willing to wait 30 minutes, 45 minutes just to see that doctor. When you can't wait for someone important, it's a sign that you're not humble. Are you willing to wait for the Lord to do what he wants to do? Psalm 37 verse 9 says, For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord they will inherit the land. Who will inherit the land? Those who wait for the Lord. Patience is such a powerful force. The Bible tells us that it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of the Lord. Not just through faith. Faith and patience. Amen. There are the words in Scripture for wait. Words like yakal, which speaks of waiting in hope and eagerness. There are words like shakar, which speaks of tarrying, longing for. There are words like damam, which speaks of being still and silent, not fretting. Some of you are doing the alternatives to waiting. You're mumbling, you're moaning, you're complaining, you're fretting. Just wait on the Lord with eager anticipation. I want to give you a final verse today that just lands this. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, I'm going to read from verse 12 to 14. For many of you, you've been praying and you haven't seen the results. But I want you to know this morning that just because you haven't seen the results does not mean that God hasn't heard your prayer. Look what happened to Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. Your prayer might have already been answered, but it's just being delayed. Are you hearing me? A delayed answer is not a a prayer that has not been answered. It's important that we get this because the enemy is messing with a whole lot of people and the way he's doing it is this. What the enemy is doing is he gets you to think that your prayer has not been answered and then you begin to moan And the more you moan and the more you grumble, guess what ends up happening? The more you moan and the more you grumble, you actually short-circuit that which God has got for you. I want you to see this powerful scripture. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. It says here, this is an angel that appeared to Daniel. It says, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God. That's when Daniel went on his fast, right? That 21 day fast he did. Fear not Daniel, from, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, what happened? It says your words were heard. Your words were what? Your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persia, that's a principality, a demonic entity, the prince of Persia resisted me. For some of you, you have to have this understanding. Resisted me for 21 days. There are times that your prayer is heard in heaven. But there are things that happen between the time that you pray and the manifestation. And there's a war going on in the heavenlies. Now when we do the advanced level of this, I will teach you how you can actually pray prayers and make decrees that expedite what's happening in the war in the heavenlies. Are you hearing me? For some of you, this is going on. you haven't seen the fruit please can someone catch this this morning you haven't seen the fruit of your prayer it's been not just 21 days it's been three months it's been two years because you aren't doing what daniel was doing you see what happens is our prayers have an impact And our declarations and degrees have an impact on the war in the heavenlies and what the angels are doing. Because it says here, I've come in response to them, but the prince of Persia resisted me for 21 days. Reinforcements were needed. It says, then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. We know that Michael is an archangel. So a higher level of angelic assistance was needed. This is for some of you. A higher level of angelic activity was needed in order for the breakthrough to take place. Amen. Let's be patient as we are praying and let's do what we need to do to get the stuff that is in heaven to manifest into the natural realm. Let's pray. If you're here and your your perception of God has been skewed, You haven't seen him as a father. You've got father wounds. The first thing I wanna ask you to do is get our freedom book. Go to Tindai afterwards and get it. Tindai, we we can actually give it. We can just reduce the price for it. Okay, for uh, just a hundred rand, just a hundred rand. Guys, these books cost me a lot. I'm not yet making money from the books. So there's no agenda with the books, you understand? You understand what I'm saying, right? The the book, it's called Freedom. Read that book, guys read that book it's called freedom because there's a section there on father wounds and mother wounds okay that we deal with right how many of you are here and you can say to me you know what my view of father god has been skewed just raise your hand to heaven right now i want to pray for you right and i want to pray that as you get discipled in that area and as you renew your mind You'll be able to pray audacious prayers raise your hand to heaven if you've been praying prayers to god from a religious place where where you're not praying for great things but you, you're like paul that spoke to me i want to start praying bigger prayers i want to start imagining bigger things how many of you that's you okay well your mindset toward god is ah, just as, as long as us for and no more yeah as long as we are okay and god is saying don't just pray for two cents multiply that by millions Because that's your portion. Ah, but maybe it's not God's will for me. Ah, then I won't be humble. Deal with your pride, but still pray. Big prayers. Amen? Can you see your pride is a separate issue? I want to pray right now that God activates us to pray powerful, audacious prayers. There are also some of you who want to be watchmen. You've just been praying, praying, praying. You know? Like the guy who handles the machine gun. But you're saying, I want to be a sniper. I want to pray accurate prayers. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray multiple prayers here. And it's your portion. Father, I thank you for your people right now. And I thank you for your goodness in our midst. That you're a good, good father. That you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I thank you, Lord, that you are here. And that there's an activation that is taking place. That, Father, as we are discipled in the area of the Father heart of God, there's something that's shifting in our heart and we're being healed of father wounds. We're being healed of mother wounds. I pray right now for my brothers and my sisters that they will pray audacious prayers. Break each one of us out of religious praying to audacious praying. We run, Lord, to the throne of God. We run, Lord, to the throne of God where we can receive mercy. We run to that throne of grace where we can receive mercy in times of need. And we pray with confidence. I pray, God, that you raise up watchmen who watch over this nation, Lord. Who watch over this church, Lord. Who watch over their families, Lord. Who watch over their marriages, Lord. Who watch over their siblings, Lord. Raise up watchmen in our midst, Lord. May you show us how to expedite those prayers. I pray right now for the, for the prayers that we've prayed that have been delayed. And I pray that they will be expedited as we gain wisdom from heaven as to how to pray for the manifestation. I loose you right now into a new dimension of prayer in your life. And the people of God said, amen and amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand.